Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. For grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. One of the kind of uh, cool things about ministry is you get uh, all these little anecdotes and experiences that you share with people in different places along the way. It could be various things the community is going through, different um, kind of bits of history, if you will, uh, different aspects of professions that are common in certain areas, uh, so on and so forth. This is why we have pastors in different towns. It's, Though we're nearby, to pastors in Missoula have very different contexts than pastors here in the Mission Valley, than different than the Flathead Valley to the north. And don't let me get, don't get me started on pastors in Libby. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of these stories that I've been thinking about this week is a story from the church I served in Laramie, Wyoming. The church is. Uh, <clears throat> filled with, uh, kind of historically, it was actually more of a railroad town uh, and a lot of ranchers around there. And then over time, too, has kind of been focused more around the University of Wyoming, which is just a couple blocks away. We had several students and professors uh, from the university who were part of our congregation. And when the story I'm thinking about is uh, from a guy named Mark, and he told me, told me about moving his offices uh, down into the basement of one of the buildings that he was in. He taught uh, surveying techniques and taught, raised students up to be the next generations of surveyors. And uh, he wanted, as he was moving into his office space in the basement, it was basically used for storage. And storage of all this equipment that they found in there. And initially, they didn't really know what it was. They didn't know what it was used for and why it was kept, and why it was kept in an office space, no less, right? Why wasn't it put in a closet somewhere? Well, they dug a little deeper and found out that uh, this equipment was used for surveying for nuclear missile silos. I feel like I'm maybe giving state secrets. If anybody's watching from Russia or anything. It's probably no surprise that, yes, there are nuclear missiles silos in the West, right? Um, Interestingly, though, he talked about this uh, surveying and how they got the mathematical directions and angles and whatever they do to make missile silos. And all the equipment used to place these things was stuff that probably could have been found in ancient Greece. He said that maybe even Archimedes could have used this kind of stuff. From poles and things you drag and mathematical stuff, it seemed almost ancient, the stuff that he found in there, right? And the mathematical techniques as though they was the ancient Greeks measuring the, you know, the curve of the earth. The, the amazing the ancient Greeks were able to uh, calculate within a hundred miles of how wide the earth actually was, of their geometry at the time. 
The story stuck with me this week because you have this profound development of human science and physics and theoretical stuff and the Manhattan Project and everything that went into it, right? To come up with uh, the nuclear fusion and, um, or sorry, fission at first and fusion, right? Um, and all the crazy dynamics that went into arguably one of the um, dare I say, greatest developments of the 20th century. I dare say that because it's used to great destruction, right? For those of you who have seen the Oppenheimer film that famously came out last year, I, I was really struck by the character of Oppenheimer talking about how that uh, kind of concernedly expressing that this would be seen as the greatest achievement of physics several centuries, right? And it would be a bomb. It would be something used to kill people. And I was struck as he was telling the story, and, and the, the guy who had moved these elements out of this office space, too, was also struck that this was not computerized technology to kind of situate these silos and figure out where they should go and so on and so forth and measure the horizon and, and survey it all, right? But it was mathematical instruments that could be imagined as used in ancient times. You have this great progression of technology and invention and innovation on the one hand, coupled with age-old mathematics that are ancient, really. The reason I was thinking about this story uh, this week is that we have, uh, there are elements of the human experience that are unique to our present and future times that cannot be replicated in the past. Try as we may, I doubt we can look for anything in the annals of uh, ancient history or Archimedes or, uh, you know, whoever, Euclid, right, that have us any, can tell us anything about how to effectively figure out Microsoft Word, <laughs> right? They just didn't have computers back in the day, man. There is very little in the ancient times that informs us of modern highway systems and interstates or combustion engines or uh, you know, all sorts of elements of modern life. And yet as we look back then and read philosophers, Aristotle, Plato, right? As we look back in the day, even you know, centuries ago, to Chinese uh, philosophers like Confucius, right? They have great wisdom to tell us about what it means to be human. When we look inward into our inner selves, when we reflect on who we are today, though the world around us has changed, there are consistencies and through lines that maybe say that perhaps we are more or less the same people that they were 3,000 years ago. And in this Lenten season, we particularly reflect upon our sinfulness, the wilderness and darkness that exists in each and every one of us. That there is a constancy there that is just as ancient as Noah. Though what we do with that has changed and how we navigate our world is very different, right? That sinfulness now maybe gets played out on Microsoft Word or 
whatever new technology we have in the world, whatever social media platforms, whatever, you know, we all kind of carry our computers in our pockets these days. And yet are we more or less the same people with the same problems, with the same proclivity to sins like lying and lust and gluttony and all that sort of stuff, right? The same problems seem to befall us and to beckon. The same temptations goad us, right? Just as much as they goaded people thousands of years ago. There's a constancy to some things we face in the world. And I'm uh, struck by that and reflect on the story, right, of these kind of ancient almost... uh, uh, instruments of setting up nuclear missile sites, right? And silos, right? That uh, I'm just struck by this paradox, it almost seems, right? You have these ancient mathematics that seem to me analogous to these ancient problems that we have as people. That you have this new destructive force in the form of nuclear power and nuclear bombs that is never seen before in human history. And yet, in a way, it seems very ancient, especially when we read the story of Noah. A great destruction was used to correct the human situation before. Because God saw that that is what the cry of human sinfulness, the despair of our human condition, that's what it called for. Sorry I don't have a cheerier message and reflection to begin on, but it is the season of Lent after all, so I thought it fitting. And yet, in spite of that, in spite of that, we get this little anecdote from Genesis. After all has occurred, after Noah was derided by his neighbors for building an ark in the middle of land, his big boat, for no reason that must have come at great expense to him. I can't imagine building a boat that big in the ancient world, right? I didn't even have like manufactured nails to put it together, right? That they had to kind of create this crudely out of the wilderness and for no apparent purpose, at least apparent to those around them. And God used that ark to recreate the world in attempts to expunge the evil that existed amongst the people at the time. God called out two by two animals of all species and unfortunately included mosquitoes in that mix, right? <laughs> uh, things we'd rather not save if we could, maybe, right? Um, and God, through the flood and through this massive force of destruction, right, sought to wipe out the violence and evil that existed amongst the people. And God used that ark to save all the animals and this one family, right? To then recreate the world to be something different. Noah's family was set apart, right? For walking with God and and, uh, finding God's favor and walking closely and faithfully. And yet we also hear in the story of Noah, almost immediately they get right back to sinning. And that constancy of the human condition was carried on. Despite this, 
despite all of this, all this craziness that we see in our world today and see in the time, back to the time of ancients, even to the time of Genesis itself, we hear this promise of God. And God says, This is the sign of the covenant that I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring the clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it. And I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, when I learned about this story in Sunday school and growing up and as an elementary kid, I heard this story about the covenant that God made, right, and thought it was for our benefit. Saw that we saw this rainbow and we would be assured that we don't need to worry about this great flooding events and these deluges and 40 days of rain and all this art business anymore. Though, unfortunately, we still need to worry about mosquitoes. <clears throat> and I heard this story and thought that this ark was for us to see and us to remember the covenant. But he, we hear once again from this text of Genesis that the ark is really for God's benefit and for God to remember. That though the same through lines persist, though the same sinfulness exists in us, though the same chaos exists in our world, though bombs are still made, though wars still rage, though cruelty and evil and all that exists, God will still vow again and again at every rainfall that God will deal differently with the world. God will choose to greet the world with love and forgiveness and grace instead of destruction and death. That God will choose a higher nature. God will choose a higher form of love. God will choose a way of forgiveness, a way of light into the darkness, a way of goodness over the evil. God will greet our world in a way that is far better than we often respond to that love. Lent is a time of seasonal repentance. When we look inward again and again and see that same human condition that God saw all the way back then. Just as Jesus says, we commit once again to repent. We commit to confess who we are and all that stuff that is in us. And as we do, we trust that those confessions are are greeted with forgiveness, are greeted with grace, and are greeted with love. Love that makes us whole as only God can. May we remember that grace. May we remember that love as we continue this journey through the wilderness once again this year bringing all of our stuff before the Almighty.
who will not hold us against hold it against us. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor.